Hi, and welcome to the 101st episode of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is season seven, episode 17, Brothers. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Saeko. And I'm Tessa. And what an episode! Wild. Wild. Um, I've been, so I've been on the edge of my chair since season three, dying to know about Tommy Markin. And it's it's been eating at my brain for years now. The idea of wrestler facing this demon that has obviously haunted him so long is something that I knew I really hoped that they weren't going to just brush away and never get back to so I had a lot of high hopes going into this were your hopes well placed I enjoyed the episode a great deal I when I finished it Part of the problem with hyping an episode in your own mind is that sometimes when you finish it, you go, it didn't quite meet expectations. And my biggest issue when I finished it was I really did enjoy the episode. It was a lot of fun. It was fast paced, but there was something about it and I couldn't quite find it on that first run through that was bothering me about the episode. Okay. And I think I found it. Um, I think it may be a very small collection of things working together. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that. What about you? How did you feel? I freaking loved it. I, you know, I had high hopes. I'd been, I mean, to the point that this this morning, I w- the, the yesterday morning, I woke up like, you know, like a kid, like really excited. Like I can't believe he's finally here. It's- Donald Wrestler Day. Yeah. And, Same. and I had, and you know that I had, um, I had my own thoughts about wrestler, about that, that uh, rubber, what I call the rubber banding, that he goes all the way to one end and then he snaps back into something. And it just felt like once I understood what he was doing, it made a lot more sense. And as it, as the time had gone by and he has gone more deeper into the gray, um, I just get this sense that, you know, what what was happening in his past was a lot darker than we were led to believe. Um, that it seemed apparent and all that. So it it kind of to me when when we finally got this and that this guy killed Tommy Markin, um you know, it doesn't matter that the guy wasn't really dead, but that's what is that what he it's what he did. And I just loved the fact that that it made him what it was. The episode was terrific in the way that it was this 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 reckoning between these two brothers about what one had done and like you can judge a book by its cover wrestler. And once you see the brother saying, you know, what he did when it just felt like an entire bunch of little loose ends on the characters was finally coming together and they got picked up and it was so satisfying. I was sitting at the edge of of the couch the entire time. And every time that a commercial came, like, what? No, you can't do this. 
I got caught up in some editing before the episode, so thankfully I had enough leeway, and this was semi-planned, that I didn't actually have to sit through commercials. I was able to fast forward through them. But I thought of you. I thought of you. uh, As the show, you know, played out, I thought of you, and I was like, Tessa's rubber band theory. You know, we've seen it, and it makes so much more sense. I also think that in a in an abstract sort of way, they drew a very interesting parallel with Liz. You and I have talked about for years now that in season one, she very much wore a mask, that she had a darker childhood. Childhood was definitely dark. Teenage years were super sketchy. You know, she was out there robbing, you know, and various things, conning people. And then she had she built for herself this perfect little life that she presented exactly what she thought the world wanted to see. She was top of her class in Quantico. She was married to the, you know, sweetest man that could ever live, who was a teach elementary school teacher. She had all these ducks in a row to present this mask to try to bury who she is. And I think that that's what we've seen Wrestler do since season one when we met him. And obviously before season one, but I mean, when Mm -hmm. we met him. And he puts forward this idea. Because as a teenager standing up there at his father's funeral, he's saying, I don't actually guess I know my father, but I want to be a better man because of him. And so he has this pedestal ideal of what it means to be a good man and he's trying so hard to reach that that sometimes he just overshoots and gets into this very flattened out version of what that means and I think that that helps explain some of his more assholish moments over the years that he's just trying, including this episode, he's trying so hard to meet and live up to that Mm -hmm. that he puts himself in a really compromised position. And then when he is very emotionally compromised, that's when we see him, as you call it, rubber band back, you know, you know, stretch out and then until he rubber bands back with people like Jonica, with uh, various situations where we've seen him, you know, go at perps that they have. Again the two and again. times that he had been about to kill a uh, a perpetrator with Solomon and with Jonica. And now this goes and it makes so much sense. And that's why, you know, it's one of those episodes in which you feel truly... Um, in all of writers who can keep a character and I, you know, for, for, for a lot of people and there is so much negativity and whining and complaining uh, about everything in the show and in the, in life in general, but in the show, it's what we're talking here that I'm amazed when I see this, how they're able to take a character and you think that, the 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 little details that you see do not make sense that they're just treating him as a plot point that they're just using him to put this or that and then it comes to an episode like this when you realize and all those sim- supposedly dissimilar aspects all just fall into place and that's what you have 
and they make so much sense. I think a lot of those complaints, just from what I've seen, and this obviously doesn't cover everybody, but a lot of those complaints, I feel like, come from people that, one, don't look at the character very closely. You know, that's not their favorite. They don't put a lot of time, a lot of effort into them. And so because of that, they don't see the details that the writers are giving to us. The writers and the actors are giving to mm-hmm. us. Diego was on top of his game and then some for this episode. This was terrific. He was wonderful. But so that's one category of people that just, you know, oh, wrestler's not my favorite. So they watch him with one eye closed because they're too busy looking at whoever else, you know, what other character that they enjoy. I mean, or they like it too much as a, as a, as a puppet. And I that's want exactly the character it. to be this, and when it's not this, then it's bad. Exactly. And, I I mean, we saw that with Tom on a huge scale, that a lot of people hated him, but when you tried to break it down, okay, well, why do you hate him? Oh, well, he did this. Yeah, he did that at the beginning of his redemption arc. He was as dark as he was going to get, and this happened, and you start like, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. You're saying that character growth doesn't matter. And so being able to look at these characters, and I understand that you're always going to have your favorites and you're always going to have your prejudices that you come into it with. That's not, that's just the way it is. Everybody does it. Every fan is going to do it, especially when you're, you know, super fans like we are. I mean, most people don't spend hours out of their weekend <laughs> talking about a show on a podcast. Yeah, not to mention um, the millions words written about it oh yeah exactly i mean how much of our lives have we spent on the blacklist at this point well, it's a hobby yeah it is it's and it's a great hobby it's fun um but you know so i, I think that those are the two categories the people that that tend to gripe just as you said, the people that put them up and they have, okay, this is how I see the character, whether that's them or not. They don't allow the character to grow. They want them stuck in time in the way they want to see them, or they don't pay any attention at all to anything. And so when things shift, they miss it. And then they don't like them because they miss the shift. And and so it really comes to the same point, just two different general yeah. categories of people. But I, I found, uh, I mean, the the writing was excellent. And and this is a writer, this is the same writer as Ruin and Rasvet. Um, and um, I, and I, I mean, some of them I haven't been a fan of, but I love Ruin. I love, I know that you have your gripe with, with Ruin I, and how they, how they treat it, how with, they... Um, with Sean, I will forever see him because Sean's a good writer. He really is. I, you know, I joke a lot about it and I'm making faces over here and it's what Tessa's responding to. <laughs> but Sean is a fantastic writer. I hold against him the quote unquote wrap up of redemption because he was a redemption writer and that wrap up was horrific. Yes. Ruin on whole was good. Rossfit, fantastic. And I think we're going to continue seeing it with that much more as we move forward and get more pieces of the puzzle. The man is a talented writer. I take everything else he's done and the way that they wrapped up Redemption, and I try to view them differently. Because it really is, his wrap-up of Redemption is not a clear 
example of his writing on hold. No. And, and I, and I, and again, this is going to be me being, you know, I'm, some people may say I'm very optimistic. I tend to think that all of these things are going to come together. The dangling ends will come together. Maybe not everyone's idea of dangling end, but the but the the general the major dangling end. And I have a feeling that that wrapping up of redemption, it's going to be a placeholder. It was something that allowed that 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 moment in which Scotty took um, Agnes, and it it I, I it's. It's coming. I can see it coming. It's. I see it in the numbers. I see it in. In this is not. This is not done. This is not over. Yeah, I mean, and I. There are things that I I can't see how they would fix because the timing on everything with redemption and the wrap up and but they they had to because redemption didn't get renewed. They they were put in a bad situation there. And I mean that that's a hard situation within itself. That's neither here nor there. This episode was very well written. Kudos to Sean, hats off. Um because it could have been done very poorly. I do wonder, and this is this goes into it's not my major sticking point with it, but it is something that I think fed into it. Mm-hmm. And I've talked with a, a friend of mine who's a huge wrestler fan, and I remember back in season three she thought that there was supposed to, she had spoken to one of the writers and she was under the impression that the back half of season three was supposed to be a whole lot more wrestler heavy than it turned out to be, which likely is because Megan got pregnant and yes. things got shelved. I do wonder if brothers, at least the overarching storyline was meant to be back in season three when they actually introduced Tommy Markin. Probably. Because it felt like this reveal of wrestler's character belonged a lot earlier than we got it. But they it, couldn't it, have sold it in the same way. Yeah, it would have been different. But it yeah. like just just the, the story itself yes. seems to belong earlier. Yes. I mean, you do what you have to. I mean, and I would rather have it late than not at all. And but so, it didn't. It didn't bother me. Why did it bother you? Why did it feel like it was? I I think it's like I said. My my because you thought with, that he was going to be there. Well, I think that there's a lot of different things that kind of weave in together to be that that moment that I stopped at the end of the episode and went something's wrong. Something's not fitting here. And the second round through, I really. I think it's Robbie that gets me. It's wrestler's reaction to Robbie. It's Robbie in and of himself. I don't understand. We were introduced to a young man in those flashbacks who was intelligent, who was driven, who was a decent guy. I understand that the weight of everything that happened weighed on, you know, pressed down on him for years to come completely understand that love that that they went that route but it almost felt like they took young dawn and young robbie and just flipped their personalities they 
there was something off in the way that Robbie matured and the route he took in life that didn't quite resonate is true with me. And I'm still trying to put my finger directly on it, but I think that's my biggest sticking point with it was Robbie and, and the way that wrestler reacts to him. Because even though wrestler didn't realize that Robbie killed Markin to begin with, he was, he left his big brother to literally clean up the mess. Which I understand, he was traumatized, he's a kid, you know, all of that. But, his big brother cleaned up the mess, stayed home, wrestler got to leave home, go to Quantico, travel the world, and... Go to college, and then go to yeah, Quantico. Yeah, exactly. And, yet, somehow, Robbie is the one that's noted as trouble, and it just... It... I don't know. Well, I, Something there that bothers me. Uh, I wasn't bothered by that. To me, it felt um, it it was a very very good um, take on on transformative moments for me. On the one hand, you have the younger brother who is the trouble, who doesn't know the father, and who decides to basically transform himself and that feeds into into red for example saying he's a big fan of transformation i mean Ressa didn't take another name but he took a completely different personality he became someone else yeah. with the same name um and and in that he he like like tom keen when he became mr policeman he became Mr. Policeman. He was so onto it that he for he took it out of his mind. It was out of mind, out of sight. It was something that he didn't want to think about it. And it just he took that that persona and he lived it. And for wrestler, it makes more sense to me. Because wrestler, just as you said, he was hyper-focused on becoming this new person. He was driven towards that. I can understand him pushing his family aside, not wanting anything to do with Detroit. That part I get. It's the trouble mm-hmm. name that he has in there. And the fact that Robbie, who, when we met him, seemed like a very intelligent kid. And when we meet him as an adult, it just seems like, I mean, he doesn't seem very bright. Well, I think that that, that that's this, the opposite side. Remember that this show loves a parallel, loves a reversal, loves a mirror. Um, here is, Robbie is this, this, this kid who's on his way. He's starting to be a policeman. And the father dies. And he... His brother, first his brother makes everything worse by saying this guy was like the only thing he's holding on to. It's not who they think he is. Uh, it's a shapeshifter. And then it, the, the baby brother basically destroys his life. And you could see how um, they he goes there and he... Wrestler 
kills him and calls the brother, which seems very organic, correct? Yeah. And this, this kid who's, who's the way wrestler wanted to be is faced with this choice in which he either be, continues to be who he is and upholds the law, which is what he's trying to become, like her, like his father, and in the process destroy wrestler's life and his mother's life. Or he takes on that responsibility of covering that up to protect his baby brother and his mother and the memory of his father. He does that. He's living with this trauma that he never told Don Donald that it was him who killed Marking. But he did it and he did it out of anger and he did it out of like you you know, you're you just deserve to die because you just told me that it was business. And that was I mean, I, I believe that at that point he may have considered doing something different, but when he said it was business, yeah. he just lost it. And then we do see him, what it does to him. They're at the father's funeral. And by that washing, this kid who was troubled has suddenly, it's the one who takes on giving the homily at the, at the father's funeral and, and says, you know, I got to inspire to be what this is. And the other brother, the one that is perfect, which is goes to Lady Ambrosia, and the two brothers, the perfect brother and the not so perfect brother. It's so overwrought with guilt and the disgust with what he became out of the love for his family that he's unable to function. And from that moment on, he cannot live with what he did and he becomes a spiral of trouble. And he became a sin eater in a way. Yes. And sin eaters tend to spiral into, you know, their their life seem like all they do is is take on bad things. And at some point, you know. But let's he, let's take a look at that. Okay. Um let, let's put two sin eaters side by side. Mm -hmm. You have Robbie who, again, seemed very intelligent. So it's not that he has a low IQ. It's not that he was the dumb jock. He seemed intelligent, quick-witted. He was bantering back and forth. All of that was cemented into this episode. So we've got him. This happens. It's trauma. Totally understand that. It, I like it. But then you've got someone like Red, who is a sin eater for whatever sins he's eaten but over the 17, years. 18. We don't know how early he started with this. He, while it does weigh on him, and I do think it weighs on Red in many ways, it doesn't, there's no reason necessarily for it to diminish the intelligence there. And so I think I would have preferred to see Robbie maybe just not even try. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to do the garage and to move forward and to do things, but he just keeps making all the wrong choices. And he 
there, there's something, at least for me, there's a disconnect in there with when did he become the idiot brother? It's like... I, I don't and, think that I, he's the idiot brother. Why do you think that he's the idiot that, brother? I think it's what, that what? scene when he's, when he's screaming, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. It's the lady doth protest too much sort of sort of moment there and you're like i'm looking at all the things that have accumulated you're taking the i'm not an idiot too literal i think it's portrayed that way though and so i think that's where my my brain kind of gets i don't well i i think reading it different ways i am and this is the what what strikes me as different between Red and and Robbie as both senators, is that Red, you know, whatever he became, whenever he became, do um, you know that I believe that Red is Reddington? So he had a career, he had a life. He was thirty years old by the time he went and be, had to become a criminal and survive. Um, but one of the elements of success that, that allowed him to be who he is is that he didn't have anybody to... Th- and that's that beautiful scene that you know that I love to bring, that deleted scene with Tom. I love it. He's talking about not having any baggage with him, nobody to care for. It didn't matter if he live or die. The difference to me is that Robbie was... He was going to, I mean, he was a recent graduate. He was going to the police academy. So he's got to be 17, 18 years old tops. And a 17, 18 year old tops is suddenly faced with having killed a man, keeping that on the wraps, trying to bottle all that that you, we saw in the episode that this kid couldn't even talk. He couldn't get up and talk about anything. And they they um and 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 wrestler takes this becomes something else and he is so overwrought that he just cannot just can't do it um I, I don't know maybe maybe it's just something for me that that doesn't click well with that yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it was it, he was a normal kid. I don't think he was particularly smart or whatever. He was he was a normal kid, and a normal kid at seventeen, eighteen years old faced with that, and then wrestler leaves, becomes this persona of what he used to be, and push forward to become an FBI agent, going to Quantico, going to college. I don't think that Robbie finished college. I don't think he just probably took his mother on and began to make bad choices. And you know how they, how they, how they, they just snowball. I mean, you, you need money. Yeah. You think that you're going to do something to prove that you're not, your brothers are treating you like you're basically and, and what can you say? Uh, yeah, I did it for you. Remember that you killed the guy? Because she can't even say that because he didn't kill the guy. It, he did it. So he's there's all these secrets inside him. And I think it was too much. He crumbled. And, and, yeah, and, 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 and that scene where they talk to one another and 
you know, it's like, he says, I did it for you. And, and that's the moment where that last of the, of what I call the little Kendall, uh, Donald just like crumbles. He's, he's, he finished growing up. He's not the yeah. Boy Scout. He became a man and he's willing to, to do this. It just seemed, I mean, the scenes to me, the episode was great. I didn't have a problem with, with the character. I think the character was written. I didn't interpret it as the guy was like super smart and then he was super stupid. I interpreted it as somebody who's under such emotional. And and I, I have people in my own family who are, you know, they're not super smart, but they're not idiots. And they made one bad choice after another. And it gets to the point you can't just, you cannot climb out of it. Yeah. You dig your hole so deep. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I guess I can see that. And it's, I don't know. And, and like I said, that's, that's the best I, I've I, been able to find. Sometimes I can't put a finger on it, on exactly what it is that's rubbing me wrong. I, I, but. I, to me, I don't know. I, I feel that, that that scene where he's saying, I'm not an idiot. That, I know that that's what he was saying, but I didn't feel that's what he wanted to say. That's not what he wanted to say. He wanted to say, I'm I'm eating your sins. Yeah. And you don't even recognize me. You don't help me. You don't you don't come home. You don't help me with my with with our mother. And you just like you became this Mr. Perfect and you in order to be Mr. Perfect, you had to put a lid on us. You took my life. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's that's basically what wrestler did is he took the life that Robbie was supposed to live and so okay that that's an interesting interesting take on it um I don't know maybe maybe as time goes on I don't I don't know it was just something that that kind of stuck with me and bothered me but uh I, I do have an interesting thing um in here about because I feel like we, we've talked about before how good the Blacklist is at times with their casting. Mm-hmm. How similar, you know, characters that are supposed to be related can look, this mm-hmm. and that. So one of my pet peeves is when they bring in a character who is supposed to have a certain color hair or a certain color eyes, and they just don't bother. I mean, you're not going to put a pair of contacts into a three-year-old, get that, but... This kid was, what, maybe 15 or so? How hard would it be to dye his hair ginger? I mean, it was, what, light brown? You know, it's it wasn't super dark, but it he was not ginger. Not nearly like, you know, Diego is. And so... He was it, trouble. It took, maybe he thought that looked grunge. Maybe he had to dye it in then. I mean, and may, maybe that's it. Maybe it was just so grungy and gross and that that's... Why Didn't it look was. like a kid washed the but, hair very often. <laughs> but what I was going to say was, you know, that aside, do you know who the young actor looked a little bit like? The guy, the, the, kid, the that, kid who played Tom. And that, I mean, yeah, they, the presented him with the hat, they presented yep. him with the, with the thing. So I think that there, there, this is subtle things that are happening. I just, I mean, t- can you imagine the trouble Tom and Don would have gotten into as kids? Yes. <laughs> and and if you so think about, fun. now that you know all these things, 
it's that's why what I always tell people. The way he did. Yeah. Why yeah. he reacted the way he did. It it was too close to home. It's the same reason Reddington freaks out. Reddington looks at Tom and sees Katarina. I think Wrestler looked at Tom and saw the life he could have landed in. If he'd run off from home at 15, he might have gotten picked up. I mean, there are just so many. Yeah. It was very interesting. And I wonder if that's the purpose. Of the hats and the. And the, 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 it's, and exactly. And they would have been about the same age. Yep. Yep. So yep. there, there is a, a definite, that's what I always tell people when they tell me, oh, the blacklist is, I don't know, is a mediocre show or is it just okay show? See, you're going to go deep and you're going to be willing to re-examine what you know as you get new information, which is yeah, very you've hard. You've got to be flexible. Yeah. You've got to be flexible with the information with this show. You gotta just, you gotta just go back and look at everything with new eyes, because every time you get a little bit of information, you go like, ah, there you go, that's why. Um, so I think that with all this, these things, we just gotta be patient. It's not easy when you're getting 22 episodes with innumerable breaks um, that are making everything very difficult. But um, it's getting there. The ship will get home. We'll get to port. Don't don't despair. And not necessarily ship as in shipping. No, 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 no. Don't even get me there. Once <laughs> once we get to this, you're gonna hear me. Um, oh boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so uh, before we before we jump into Liz, uh, the mother. Oh, okay. Let's go with the mom first. We're gonna talk about the mother because the mother knew exactly. She was playing Dom very well. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, I I thought he was great, and I thought um, I I had to actually see twice the I I thought that the uh, the the uh, actor they had played the father was really good. They did a good job in casting him, and I just still go back to that prosecutor in the case of the of the um, the harbor master was also called Marking, and I just get this like feeling that that name is not there for. They do repeat some names, but that name that's, was yeah. That that's one that it's a little off the beaten path there. Yeah. So I, I find it interesting um, that they did that, uh, and they not only was, was marking, but he was also a black guy. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. He was also yeah. a black man. Yeah. So it I is, mean, it's not like they were they they would necessarily be unrelated. Yes. Interesting. So. I always get these feelings, you know, about about that because especially in that case, that detective was so crazy that you start I, thinking, well, Marky was a corrupt guy. I wonder if there is something going on here. If we should look a bit into into that, I, I made that connection. Is it possible that this is a son, a, a relative of that marking um, that ended up as a prosecutor? I, I wonder if that. Well, because I remember that, that that the prosecutor really went after the cop there, the detective, and he said, 
just because you think she's up to something doesn't mean you can step outside the letter of the law. And the detective said, well, she can. She's doing it. And the prosecutor said, yeah, but we have to be above that. He was very much by the book. Yeah. So it's interesting that they chose the same the same ethnicity and the same last name for another character linked to something mm-hmm. somewhat similar. So very interesting. I love that scene. I love I, I love the guy playing Tommy Markin. He did great. Oh, he was fantastic. I don't know who the actor is, but he's that was he cool. was oh he oh was. he was oh my god and 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 when he went to the to the house afterwards. I mean, he was such. Uh, we've talked about manipulation tactics before. I especially because I I went through it nearly three times before sitting down with the podcast. And I was just listening to that conversation and the way he's leading Don and the way he's ha- he's handling him. A- as wrestler starts pushing and pushing and pushing, I heard you, I heard this. He starts turning it towards, you're going to break your mother's heart. It's okay, son. We can find a way to fi- to pay for the window. It's such a gaslighting sort of moment where he's just like, you broke my window, man. You broke into my house. This is on you. It's like you killed his dad, you know. Yeah, but he wasn't going to admit that. Well, exactly. And it just, it, it was very well done. It was very well written, very well portrayed by the actor. I, I That whole scene. And I, I'm not sure going into it, if you had asked me, will you be cool if wrestler's the one that killed Markin? I, I don't was know, sure of it. I don't know if I would have said yes, or if I even would have necessarily been open to it, you know, 100% open to it. But I think it worked. I, I knew, and I'll tell you why I knew. The black you remember black. when we saw, we had it in, we saw him with, with Jonica. That was a fight. And Liz walked him out of it. Then he did it again with Solomon, and Tom walked him out of it. The only think about the only people who have been able to to have walked him out of it are always people who are very dark, who have done dark things in their lives, who know, and that's why they got to him. But then there was, I mean, is this this thing where he kept doing that with Hitchens? He kept going in her face. He kept saying, "I know what you did," which is a Stupid thing to do. I have that in my notes that even as a teenager, he stood up and went, I knew you did this and yes. announced it to the freaking world. Yeah. Like, Donald. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not the way to do it. You keep what you know secret because what you, you're the master of what you know and the rest of the world doesn't know you know. And you're an, an, a slave to the things that you say you know. So never do that. Bad idea. But he was doing it. He was doing it to uh, to to Hitchens, getting right on her face, telling, "I know you did it. I'm going to prove it one day." He's very aggressive. Yeah, and then and it's that it's that underlying uh, that underlying trouble kid. He's never yeah. stopped being one. Yeah, I because I, it's I don't. Well, I mean, yeah, he is violent. He he is. I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat that. I think he's typically got a pretty good handle on it but we've seen him when push comes to shove and really comes to shove he can be a very violent individual yeah and the addiction goes with it 
I mean, it wasn't that he didn't get addicted because, you know, it ha yes, it happens to people, but Wrestler had it. Oh, he, he was under a lot of stress, under a lot of pain. The way he got attached to Reddington is like almost like Reddington, I think, was a substitute for his brother. Um, he probably felt like his brother should have just gone on with his life and do and just become the cop that he wanted to be and the whole thing. And I think that, that that persecution of Red was a bit of what he should would have become and what his brother became. It was very personal to him. He lost Audrey for it. He was going insane. And he had that moment with, with when he killed Hitchin, it was a moment of, of anger. He didn't have a gun in his hand, but he he pushed her or punched her or shove her and uh, I think I think he reached out and grabbed her by the arm, is what he did, and pulled her around, and then she slipped and hit her head. Oh. And so, because it, it was it was a it was there was a lot of moment, but it was a not so innocent accident. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a lot of discussion around it because of his statement to Liz in season three about Tom putting his hands on Liz mm -hmm. because he took such a strong stance on that. There was a lot of discussion well, around Randy. it at the time. Huh. Yeah, I mean, he does. And I think that's a lot of what rest, what we're seeing with Wrestler right now is he... What did you just call it? Over what? What What did you just call it? Over what? I don't know. <laughs> um, but just, uh, Did I have one of my brilliant moments that I don't remember? You did. <laughs> you did. Um, Over-exaggeration isn't the right word, but no. were you... Where you flip and go the opposite direction because you're overcompensating. Over, yes. um, that's the word I'm looking for. And that may be what you just said. Uh, that he's overcompensating for the, I don't know. I mean, it depends on different situations. I mean, with Tom, it may have been he was overcompensating with this is what my life could have been if I'd stayed on the track that I was. I hate this guy because of it. I'm overcompensating with Reddington because... This could have been my brother. This, you know, oh, you know, just again and, and again. And again. Like it, it, leads, it leads to that pent up frustration that explodes. Yeah. It, and and it, Liz, it, Liz called it in season one. Yeah. You know, with a rage. He said he had a rage and he could, she could read that rage. And I think that, that when you think this, Liz killed. A man would kill, or she thinks she killed her father. She shot her father. And wrestler shot the man who killed her fa his father. So you're getting two people that have killed others. Others have eaten the sins for it. Um, there is a, a lot of parallels going on in there. And I think that when, when wrestler looked at Liz wrestler saw himself and all throughout he's been looking at distorted mirrors of himself they're not exactly the same situation the, the blacklist never does the same situation exactly but every time he looks at these people he sees what he could have been he sees what his brother became he sees you know uh, and everything about that crazy thing about chasing Liz now makes comes into a completely different light. And so does firing Samar. That 
popped up on my radar during all of this. My initial response was, why didn't he have a little more compassion? I mean, I thought that back in season three. And then thinking, oh, well, he's been through all of this. Why? Because he's overcompensating for it. I am not that man anymore. Let me prove it to you. Yeah. And remember all those crazy things he did, like when he shot the guy. Listed it in this episode to make a nice comparison. Shot a guy who was holding the Samar mm-hmm. like an inch yeah. from his face. You know, they didn't miss... And Robbie was grateful when Samar was like, <laughs> you're crazy. Um, but, um, I mean, there is so many things that were explained. And I think you're right. I mean, that story was obviously thought out at the beginning. And everything about this character has been built upon it. And once you get the final piece, it's like suddenly you look at the puzzle and it makes sense. Uh, whether they knew specifically play-by-play wrestlers past mm-hmm. and how it all panned out, I don't know. But I do think from the get-go with wrestler, they had in their minds at least a piece of this puzzle saying he did something horrific that has made him the man that he is. He has been working to prove that he's someone different from the majority of his life at this point. For the past 25 years, he's been proving he's not that screwed up kid. Yeah. And now go back and look at his time with Prescott. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hitting season four on my rewatch right now. And uh, it'll be really interesting getting into that. Now you're I'm sh- glad that I've waited because I, I kind of took a pause on it. I'm glad because I'll be able to watch that whole arc mm-hmm. with brothers behind me. And it's going to be really fascinating. Yeah. So I, I think in general it was great. I, I knew that that, that uh, gangster was not going to let him go just that easy. Um, and, and a lot of people have said he should have asked for Red. No, he, should, he shouldn't. Red has saved his, his butt two times with Makutanita. <laughs> he doesn't want to owe Red. I mean, whether Red would ever call me on him. that. I didn't miss him at all. I you thought know, it was... Yeah, I... You know, choice not to have him. I mean, well, they flipped the uh, they they filmed these out of order because it was supposed to be this episode was supposed to come after next week's episode. But they flipped it because of everything going on with COVID and the way they they felt like this episode was better situated here. And, you know, I. okay, you know, it it wasn't. No, it didn't bother me at all. No, I mean, I know there are probably a lot of fans that it did, but, oh my gosh, we're at, what, 150 episodes, and there's been one without James. Let the man have a breather. I think he that this will be another one where he hasn't been. I think the the um, uh, the back, back door, uh, the, the pilot for Redemption, he wasn't oh, there. He and this is another one. He was he in the back door. I just, I just watched it. He was definitely in the back door of Redemption. He wasn't in it a lot, but he was there. I I thought that it, it, it just didn't fit. I mean, I've done objectively more red. I never objected more red, but it he didn't fit. And, and we had a one episode this season in which it was all red. There was yeah. nothing else of anybody else. So I, I felt that it was perfect. So now we're going to talk about Liz. Well, before we jump into Liz, um, I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Because the way I read the the statement and the understanding I had of it, you know, three rounds in, uh, f- first round and third round was very different. 
how did you take the statement, we have to do the right thing, it's important? Like, and, and then to go in and be totally cool, uh, well, mostly cool with the fact that Liz hid the body. What was your, what was your reading of that? How did you feel about that? I think that we have to do the right thing was the last bit of wrestlers persona, the Boy Scout persona saying we're going to do the right thing. And what is funny is that it was his brother who was up for that. He took it on because it was what his persona demanded. Perfect Boy Scout wrestler demanded that he did the right thing. It's interesting. And I think that that he said he was okay. But I think that that at the when listed that it was like the liberation of that. It he didn't need to be the perfect boy scout. Um and I go back to what he told Liz in season uh, two. How many people have not died? How many people? How many people have not buried? A, remember what he said: have not buried a father. How many people have not buried a son or a child? It was a definite callback to that. Yeah, and and I think that that it was. I mean, he had accepted. He had understood what his brother has done for that. And that was a profound gift of love. And I think that by embracing that his brother, that he had a part in what had happened to his brother, that his brother had cared for him beyond after his father died, had care and love for him. And it was his understanding, I think, of of the letting go of that. I am not that person and I and we'll see I mean as time goes forward we'll see what happens to wrestler but I think it was that last gasp of of little boy scout plastic wrestler I actually like that better than what I came up with <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean it can be both though um, the way I read it third round through was that it wasn't so much Mark and himself taking taking the fall for Mark and himself because you know Robbie asked him do you lose sleep over this and wrestler doesn't he thinks they did the he thinks that he did the right thing that they did the right thing by taking Mark and out that's and real so, wrestler yeah and so the important thing I think for him in that moment maybe was not necessarily owning up to the murder. It was taking these horrible people off the streets. And if it got them arrested for murder, then that was the price he was willing to pay. But the right thing to do was taking these gangsters off the streets of Detroit, making sure they never hurt another person again. Because that was what that was their job. Mm-hmm. He was not going to sacrifice what he, you know his job for his own skin yeah and i think it's a it's a reckoning i mean i what i saw in those in those last minutes they had this conversation was that 
it's that it's wrestler understanding what Red said. You cannot judge a book by its cover. You have to wait for the first episode, the first few chapters, and the last chapter. Yeah. But you know how do you do it? How you do it is because you do better good. And and we have seen the whole of the of the task force grapple with that. Are we to be proud of this? Are we to be ashamed of this? Is that what we did? And and I wrestle at times I've said, like, you know, are we in the payroll? We might as well write our checks. Um, so this is, this was, I think it was very well done. I I wasn't bothered by it because I think it, at that time, wrestler understood what had happened, understood that it made him a better man, but it didn't make him, he had to let go at some point of Mr. Perfect Plastic. And he had to accept that he has as dark a past as Red, as dark a past as Liz, and probably the rest of the task force. I'm just waiting to see what lovely little Aram has in his closets. Because I'm sure there is a skeleton in there. It may be a digital one, but I'm sure that he wasn't that, um, that uh, um, innocent either. Yeah, it's all the women he's dated, save maybe Samar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, Samar was not that different. Well, yeah. It was she good. Was. She was good, but she wasn't that different. I mean, she was a spy. She was doing Mossad work. What the same time that she was doing the other. The way the way that she approached Aram and their relationship was different. Yes, that, they, that was. That that's really the key there, I think. I mean, and that that goes back to my viewpoints on the Keens and. You know, if if we ever come back around to Red and Katarina with the Hargraves, the way I view spy couples boils down to how are they approaching each other versus how are they approaching other things. Mm. And so, all right, let's uh, let's jump into Liz. Do we need to make any apologies to any groups before we mm. unleash Tessa? <laughs> no, no, no. That the. Um... I mean, I I love the fact that wrestler reached to Liz. I think it was a total proper choice. Agreed. Yeah, but I don't think that in approaching Liz, wrestler fought really. That was that was the last. That's what I'm saying. That's the last of plastic, perfect Boy Scout wrestler. Because he had to know that Liz will come up with something. He just had to know. That's I, not Liz. You know, I, I actually have in my notes here. Of course she took the bones. Something. Should Russ have expected anything different? Because, and I, I have to wonder, does that, was that him lying to himself to be the perfect Boy Scout? Or, alternative thought, and it doesn't have to be either or. It could, be, it could be both. Does that mean that he does, did not view himself as someone worth saving? Because their conversation there at the end, he seems absolutely confused. By, and, and to be fair, some of that is the way that Liz approaches her friendships. Because she does not approach it in a super healthy fashion. Or definitely not in an honest fashion. But She's hard to read. She's incredibly hard to read. But is that more wrestler viewing, or is it at least inclusive in wrestler viewing himself as not being someone 
worthy of that. He's not. He's not this person. Define he's not salvation. He's Define not quote, salvation unquote, for family. Reverend, that's well, a thing. He's not quote unquote family when he is, and that's the thing. We established that the entire task force is family back in season three with Agnes. Yes, and so he is family. Ergo, when push comes to shove, I was not at all shocked that Liz took the route. Sure, she'll throw them under the bus, but she would never put them in real danger. Not intentionally. Now, they may get caught in the bullseye by accident because she, you know, I don't think she ever intended for Reddington to get the needle in season six. It was things went too far. She, she lets things go too far, but people that she considers family I don't think they intend to Red in there, but yeah. In the end, Red keeps switching back and forth as well. But I think the task force has been very steady, that they are family, and that if push comes to shove, she will burn down the world for those people, if it takes that. And I think it was a very... If it suits her, too. If If she feels like it's necessary. If she thinks that she's about to lose one of her... Because she was very honest about it. She said, this wasn't about you. It was about me. And I believe her on that. 100%. It's because she cares about them. Yeah. It's a twisted sort of way, but it is Liz. Yeah. Super traumatized. Um, yes. But I think I think that, that you're right. They don't have to be one or the other. They can be both. I think that it can be all of the above. People usually have complex motivations for the things they do. Um, but I definitely think that wrestler calling Liz was because deep inside he knew Liz would save. And saying that he wanted it was the right thing was exactly uh, because it was what Rob wanted. So wrestler got to give Rob what he wanted. Rob was tired of carrying that secrets with him. He wanted to come clean. He couldn't do it anymore. So just saying I'm ready to do it was had a liberating effect, even if at the end, by calling Liz, wrestler had to know that that's not the way things would go. I mean, this is the woman who took them out of the box when Anna McMahon was uh, ready to kill him. Um, so they, I mean, it, Red Hat... It, Wrestler had to know. I mean, this is the way Red, wrestler, uh, Red operates. So that takes us to what was Liz doing? You have the, the idea that Liz is doing it because it is um, because she cares for them. And, you know, that's how she does. I do think that you're correct. I think do that you you're think, right. Do you think she's going to she he owes her one now? Yes, I could totally see this being in 20 years. Uh, hello, my name is Elizabeth Kin. I'm here to see assistant director Donald Wrestler. And, uh, and then saying, come on, or we can just reminiscence about that little incident in Detroit. <laughs> I mean, it was a very, I, I could see that. And I've been telling my friends that I've been discussing this with, you know, I I want to believe Liz. I hope she was being honest. 
at the same time, there is something there that I, I and, and this is not me, this is the other Jen in my life who came up with that, with that parallel, that Red sometimes hides his motives, especially when they are not selfish, in selfishness. I did that, and remember that Red told uh, Donald the same thing. Um, you know, you gave me the opportunity of taking care of Tanida. That's why I gave you the head. And I didn't kill Prescott because of you. I killed Prescott because I didn't want anything about our relationship to come in public. So how much of what Red does is really out of concern and care for the people that he have come to see as friends and how much of it is that it that it is good for him? Well, I think that when you live a life like Red has, like a life that Liz has been tumbling headlong into, those lines become blurred. We saw it with Tom when in their first marriage. There were plenty of blurred lines there. He would do things that he would do nice things for that may have paved the way to allow him to do something else in the background that he needed to do for his job. Or he would do things for his job that would allow him to keep her safe. These motives get very complicated. There were, and, there's a complex place. Yes. And it it goes back to that there was that comment that Red made back in season three. I think it was at the tail end of season three. That Red was sitting in Cooper's office and he said it takes a lot of courage to wake up every day and make a decision on what you think is right and wrong, mm-hmm. instead of buckling down to becoming to a, a seal it uh, and just yeah. you know yeah see exactly. the world in black and white and that's what it is. And so, absolutely, I think it's possible for some some conflicting yeah. you know some complicated situations there. I mean, and and I I certainly hope that it is more about her really caring for wrestler and saving him and not just because she needs him because that, um, that to me sent a very chilling message. I mean, I really got, I really felt a little scared of Liz in that moment. Well, I mean, we, you and I've talked about the anchoring that Tom provided for her and the, but this is different because she didn't manipulate Tom. I don't think she could manipulate Tom quite as much. And I think that's one reason they were so good for each other was because he had in-depth knowledge. It wasn't just that he had a darker streak or a darker past. He had lived in this world. He knows how to knew, knows, what have you, how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And so I think she was not quite as able. If Liz can manipulate, Liz does manipulate. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's one of the things. I mean, and heaven knows I'm a big Keynes fan. I, I think Tom and Liz were very well matched for each other. But I, I think that's one of the many reasons that they were. And with Wrestler, you know, I, I do think that he has a outside like i think he's got a lot closer of a understanding of things than we may have thought before this episode but he still has an outsider's point of view he's never lived the criminal life Mm -mm. 
and and that's what um and there was a lot of like talk about you know oh what a keeler moment and i was like you know i've never been a shipper i'm not a fan of of romantic anything and basically that's the reason and it it, it was like one of those like like clicking points for me um that because I've always objected, and my, my problem with the shipping in, in, in the romantic things in general is that they tend to come at relationship and romance as being two broken parts that sometimes that somehow prop each other. Um, and I, I find that um, a very dangerous construct of the Middle Ages in the, and the damsel in distress and the white knight I I think that it perpetuates uh, an idea that uh, of romance that is dangerous. I I tend to feel that romantic things that romance cannot can only occur with one whole individual is with another whole individual that they don't need each other. They are better because of one another not because they need because needing is a relationship that is about give me not about complimenting and, and so I, I i i certainly hope that if they're going to go the kindler way they find a way of 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 um making them both a little more whole because what, what Liz and Tom had that never bothered me in their relationship was the fact that they weren't broken ends. They were both equally broken. They didn't, they didn't prop one another. They, when they were together, they were less dark. They, they weren't just like, okay, well, you know, you're kind of broken and I put a little bit of glue here and kind of hobble together. They were better when they're together. It was an equal pulling to the light. Yes. Instead of being, I'm kind of broken and you're kind of broken. And we kind of like maybe try to like fit. And what happens with those relationships in real life and, and they should be portrayed in a more realistic way because they do a lot of damage when you're adolescent is that what happens is one of them will get better and the relationship will break. And it will become abusive because you need to stay here because we need to stay broken. It becomes about being broken and not become and not about being better. And it just so I wouldn't I mean, I really wouldn't care if they end up with Kindler at the end. I just hope that it does as a whole individual. It, they don't have to be perfect whole individuals, but but not broken pieces glued together somewhat like what I feel Liz is. At this moment, you remember how you we always talk about the moment where Tom hit like the very, very bottom of it. I think Liz is hitting the very, very bottom of it now. I I could see that. I could definitely see that because, I mean, we've seen her. Especially lately and that that comment with. I think she's hit. I think she's scraped towards the bottom multiple times through the show because the conversation with Russ 
in Brothers reminded me a lot of the conversation with Ress in uh, when, when they had her birthday mm-hmm. uh, back in season two. I think two. it was like a clear. Oh, it was, it was a nice parallel right there. Absolutely. Just, I mean, at that point, it was like, I, you know, I got a dog and a job, but that's about all I got. And he's like, well, that's more than me. And then now she's sitting there and listing this off. She's very aware that mm-hmm. she's, and that that was nice to hear that she's at least aware that she's being made a puppet. Um, what was not nice to hear, and I'm I still have a small hope that maybe she's just saying this to wrestler because she's told wrestler that that blonde cat's her mom. But more and more as she keeps repeating this, I'm worried that she that you were correct in that and that I've wrong in my reading and that she actually does a hundred percent she has not learned anything that she is barreling forward with this woman is my mother i am believing her because she said so mm-hmm. and i'm just if she is i'm just shaking my head and going lizzie come back well, because i think that that's where she's going this is this is her this is her lowest point yeah this is when because what what's what's propping up in the next episodes, and here's some if you guys didn't watch the the um, the spoiler for next episode, you can just tune out for the next ten minutes in advance. Um, but I mean, what's what's happening now with 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 uh, with uh, Blanca Katerina is really bad. She's she took Dembe's mom, and basically is going to grab Demba with it and make Demba choose between the mom and Red. We gotta stop letting Demba get kidnapped. That poor man. Man, but this is, I mean, this is very, I mean, this woman is brilliant. Not even Solomon or or um, uh, could uh, manage something like that because Demba was willing to kill himself or to die uh, rather than give up Red because he knew that he's granddaughter was safe but this woman is putting them in between an innocent man a man of god who has done nothing wrong in his life but help people and red who he has pledged his life to protect but is not an innocent man so do you think that that she she won't let the imam go i mean i think she's an idiot if she does she's going to put them in a position of either you Find a way to get Red here, or I'm going to kill the man. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's a brilliant move. I, I don't like it because I'm not torture is for about her, finding, but, Like Red said, torture yeah. is about finding what works for them. And that's the most brilliant move that we have seen anybody do in a long time. So yeah. this woman has a lot of, of, of um, skill in her. But I think that Liz has not learned. She is going to learn this time. This is she's going towards the lowest point. She has believed anything as long as there is a biological link. And I do think that this woman is her biological mother. The more I see of her, the more I see of Liz. Like this woman is her biological mother. And at this point is when Liz is going to to have to understand that. There is there is relatives and there is family. And this woman didn't want her. This woman is nothing to her. So it's going to be dark. It's going to get really dark. 
I, I don't think there was ever a question the show would get incredibly dark before the end. I just, I hope we start a different trajectory towards the light as we wrap it up. I hope there's, I hope we end on a hopeful note that gives Liz and Agnes hope for the future. Uh, do you think that Brett can trust her? Uh, <laughs> I think Red has, at one point, oh, when was it that, that someone said that Liz was his blind spot? Or has that just been something we've been saying in the background? We've been saying. Okay. Um, was that us or them? Um, but, yeah, so many years of doing this now. Um, but I, I think that's accurate. I think that's an apt description of that that he may not trust her he may be playing the game he loves but, her but i don't think he can trust her yeah and i mean we've seen him you know brush her off and everything but if push comes to shove if they're put in certain situations i think his default might just be to do so he might have to trust her in order to get himself out of a situation or exactly. another but as as to her motives, I mean, he was even questioning them, but he didn't tell me that he knows I'm not Ilya. What else does she know? Has she learned? Uh, and Dembe's like, why don't you ask her? Dembe's been begging him to tell her the whole truth for a long time now. But I, I gotta say, look at what what Liz does. She she's like. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're my daddy. Yes, I'm happy. Oh, wait a minute. You abandoned me, and now I can't. Oh, yeah, Red you're not my dad. Her, Red keeps handing her partial truce. What's she supposed to do with that? Yes, I know. And and I've, I've shifted my understanding of Liz, and I think that the problem is in this, and uh, hear me out. Let's say that Liz has this thing for finding biological family. Even though she's she the first one she, for saying that she wanted to adopt and the entire thing. When it push came to shove, she didn't want to adopt. Honestly, I think, I mean, I don't think he intentionally put it in her head. But I think that was more Tom's thing than Liz. I, I think that Liz may have convinced herself she wanted to. But looking at Tom, looking at the way he responded to Scotty and Howard reaching out with all of that, I think he saw the opportunity to take a child that nobody wanted and to give them a chance like he didn't get mm -hmm. and the, you know, and, and give them what Liz got with Sam. Yeah. I think that that was more Tom's excitement there because do you remember in the boat Liz or no no it wasn't the boat it was when he was strapped to the chair in their dining room mm -hmm. and she said you begged me to have a baby you begged me to have a baby with you it's that even though Tom said in the boat isn't that just what married people do that wasn't just he what was married people do oh he you know anger is easier than pain and he held on to that. I think the adoption, I think he was totally cool with having a biological child. I think that having a kid for him helped 
even him out on the emotional front and helped him learn on the emotional front. But I think that in season one, when he was trying to balance everything at once and have have everything, I think that there was something in his childhood trauma that said, much like, you know, Red said to Liz, having a baby won't fix what happened to you. Mm-hmm. I think Tom was trying to fix some of the stuff that happened mm-hmm. to him through adopting a child and giving them a chance. But I think that that for Liz, what I'm starting to think, and and I may be totally wrong, is that Liz has that thing that a lot of adopted children have. Not all of them, but quite a few. An intense need of finding their biological parents because something about, even when they don't even know that they're adopted, they feel that they're different they feel that they do not belong. They feel completely different. And and some of them are totally uninterested in their biological parents. Like like Tom, and like, I don't know, you didn't want me, but there's people that love me. That's my mother. That's my father. But there's other children that don't have that. And I think Liz doesn't have that. Liz, what needs, there is something about herself that she is not understanding on her own, that she feels that she needs to find her biological parents or some. What was the conversation in season two when she was when she went to Tom's boat and she said, let's just run away together. You know, I was I, I don't want to regret anything. I don't want to regret not going with you. And he said, if we leave now, you'll never get answers about your past. They that whole theme, especially with the two of them has been brought up again and again. Do you need to know who you were to know who you are? And I think in the case of Liz, the answer is yes. She she feels that way, yes. yes. Yeah. So I think that the problem, as I am understanding it now, it is, a, and this is a theory, is that Liz is not the biological child of, of Katerina, of the woman that is Dom's daughter that we saw as Katerina. She is the daughter of this blonde cat that had a child in order to manipulate a man. And when that didn't work or whatever, she just discarded the child. And that it was taken by Dom's daughter, Katerina, and brought her as her own. I think the danger that Red sees is that obsession with the biological part that Liz needs in order to explain something. And I think if you think what she's done to Red, she was seems happy to have. First it was, is he my father? Oh my God, the devil is my father. And then it was, Oh, maybe I don't want to know. Let me just discard this DNA test that I did that would have given me all the answers I need. Then, oh, well, maybe not. I don't want to see it. No, no, no. Until here it is. It's in your face. You can't avoid. Now it's like, oh, great. It's my daddy. I'm happy. And I'm happy for like four or five episodes. And then it's like, well, this is the guy who abandoned me. Why did you abandon me? Why would you do that? Um, and, and then he's like, as he told Cooper, when I thought he was my father, I hated him because he had uh, abandoned me. 
he has just abandoned his responsibilities, abandoned me. And, and then what she did, the first chance that she got that somebody presented him with like, oh, look, those bones are your father, not that guy who's been following you around, who's giving up his life for you, Lord knows how many times, who has done everything in my, and who takes anything that you dish out including things that most other adults would say, you know what, we're done here. That is not your father. The father is the bones, and I'm going to now send you to jail where you end up with a needle on your neck. I think that Red is afraid that Liz will do the same thing to Katharina, who is in a very vulnerable position because of the Townsend Directive. And once you realize, oh, you're not my mom, I'm going to push you. I'm going to give you to the Townsend Directive. I'm going to announce to the world who you are because you abandoned me. I want to find my real mommy. And then what what ends up happening is probably the real mommy is going to say, I never wanted you. I would have aborted you, but they, I couldn't do it for X, Y, or Z. And you can go so connect because I'm not interested in you. And and that I'm afraid that that's where we're going, and that's where Red is so afraid, and that's why he won't tell her things because Liz is a bull in a china shop looking for that biological connection. I could see that at this point. I, I think at this point it snowballed so badly. He's kept so many secrets. And he doesn't even it, know how to get out of it. Exactly. Like there have been so many times that Dembe's come to him and said, "Tell her such and such. I don't know how to do that. By telling her everything, I don't think I can." He just he cannot fathom. And I think part of it may be how many secrets he has to keep for the life he lives. Part of it's because he doesn't know if he can fully trust Liz. Part of it's because he may be protecting Katarina. There, I think that it's a layered reason why he's doing it. And by it. now, it's like he, it's like Tom and Liz are the, yeah, probably the by the time they got to getting married, Tom may have wanted to tell her, but he couldn't even begin to know how to do that. I think so. Absolutely, I think so. That if he thought he could have done it, I have a theory that when, uh, do you remember in season one, right after he, right before he found out she found his box? Uh, he was calling her because they were supposed to go to this ultrasound together and she didn't show because she was in the middle of a case. He started blowing up her phone and she thought it had to do with the ultrasound. She cut him off. She said, I know our family's important, but this is important too. And I'm busy with this case and hung up on him. And we see him staring down to the hole in the floor and the box and he's going, well, crap. And I think in that moment, if she had been willing to say okay our family is important and own that what she had lived by the words that she had told him that nothing was getting mm -hmm. going to get in the way of their family if she'd been willing to do that i think he may have been more inclined he was terrified he had no idea how to keep everything and didn't have the emotional maturity to work his way through it and i think he may have been more inclined to be honest with her if she had been more, if, if she had been wanting to put the family first. And I give you the same moment with Red. Okay, let's go. When Red, when Liz gets the, the picture and he's, he said, um, 
he had given that and she's in the car with a picture of her mom and she's crying. It's raining outside. She's crying in the car. And Red is sitting down in the in his apartment. He takes a picture of Katerina and he he calls her. And she doesn't pick up a phone. She sees his Nick's pizza and she doesn't pick up a phone. And that's a well. moment that Red was going to tell her. But I will say, the difference that I see here, and to be fair, Tom was forced into it. Everything came out, it snowballed, it exploded, chaos, bullets, boat, etc., etc. But when they surfaced from all of that in season two, midway through season two, and then at the end, they started on a journey of honesty. Mm-hmm. There were still secrets here and there, but overall... And he said this to her at their, you know, <laughs> their attempt at the second wedding in mm-hmm. season three, that he wasn't going to keep things from her anymore. And for the most part, he stuck by that. Once he proved multiple times over that he was going to be honest with her, even if not immediately, that he would eventually bring things to her and tell her he wasn't going to continue to keep secrets from her. She gave him a whole lot more leeway than she had prior to that. She loved him prior to that. She just didn't trust him. Mm-hmm. Fair. Incredibly fair response. And there was a moment. Uh, right after he got shot with Gina. When she decided to keep Agnes. That I think she decided to try to start trusting him. And he started really trying to be honest with her. They talk about in season four. Mm-hmm. That it's not. It's not his normal to talk about fears, to be open about things, to Mm. put all of his cards out on the table. But that's his promise to us that he's going to try. That is what made that relationship work. With Red, he has never gotten to the point where he's willing to put all of his cards out on the table. He's never had his boat moment where I'm not keeping anything from you. Here it all is. And until he has that, she's not going to trust him because he's always keeping something from her. But I think that in the in, in the case of Red, that's who he is. I think that so was if Tom. you go that... So was Tom. So I think same. that it goes to even Katerina. I think that that was exactly the same relationship they, they have with Katerina, that they all kept secrets. And at the end, the secrets blew up in their face. I just don't think Red learned. And I, I don't I, think he can because I don't I think that he doesn't learn. It's one thing. He's scared, he's terrified. He may be the bravest man facing death and torture like nothing, but he's terrified of telling the truth. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's this emotional vulnerability that gets all of these people every freaking time. <laughs> look at look at Red. He has gone how many years since Katrina's suicide? 20, 30 years, 25 years, years, 25 years at May, probably. And it took him 25 years to say, not even to her face, but to hallucination of her, what he really felt when he thought she had committed suicide. So Red, I mean, and he said, I'm not. I'm not good about sharing my cards. And that means he's not good about sharing his emotions, sharing his plans, sharing his thoughts, sharing the truth. I agree. And in his and his line of work that made them incredibly successful. He even says, 
I, that to Katerina, there is nothing obvious about you. There is the the women that he tends to love are women he cannot read. It's it's because that's the people that he can control, and that's what he finds attractive. The women who are who are dangerous and difficult to read and and unreliable and untrustworthy. Those are the ones that get his goat. Partners versus just a you know a fling because no one's going to keep his interest. It's I think it's the same thing with Tom. The yeah. the with Liz he can't he doesn't want to manipulate her. Not only can he but not manipulate, and she could. Uh, I think less so as they got further along. I think yeah. they just knew each other, but they had to find that equilibrium there to be able to trust each other. And they had to have been a boat and uh, being tied by chains yes. in order to get to that moment. And Lisa exactly. had to find, you know, like what you you may have lied to you to me, but I love you. And now that I punish you, we can go ahead and and have a moment. So I guess until she shots red or something like that, it, it won't happen. Yeah, I mean, and not in a romantic sense, by the way. Not a romantic parallel that we're drawing here. I, I no. I'm, I'm just saying something. the way that you react to people is yeah. exactly that. Liz needs to punish people in order to yeah to um, reset the board. Yeah, she resets the board. And and the, and what she's doing now with with the blonde Katerina is exactly what she used to do with what she did with with Jennifer. She just trusted blindly because his sister is blood. I'm going to trust you. Uh, she has this this very naive idea that because somebody is blood related to you, they're going to be trustworthy. I, well, mean, I mean, do you remember how she went at, at Tom when when he was in the middle of his arc with redemption? I mean, literally the the spinoff. And he came to her and was like, my dad says this. My mom's saying this. I don't know who I believe, but mom took dad and she's holding him. And she said, well, just go to your mom. Talk to her. I mean, here's this woman who kidnapped the guy that his dad's been telling him that that she's a... Untrustworthy. Yeah, untrustworthy. That Red said she's untrustworthy. And Tom's pointing all this out and Liz is like, it's your mom. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, it's not. It's not. I mean, not for this group of people, for these spies are not that. And if I'm correct, and this is all part of a very extended family, uh, I know you're, she's scrunching her face like, like in disgust. And, uh, but, you know, you can have like somebody who's your cousin five times removed and and three times, it's not your relative. Too I mean, complicated. They, no, but it's Too not your relative. I mean, no reason to have, go that route. You have the same kind of DNA that you have with any stranger. I, I agree with that. And then, then I come back to the, well, what's the point in doing that and giving even the hint of the ick factor? Because it's what Red said. The Rostov family, you came in the middle of a little family dust up and the Rostov family are very eccentric meaning when they get a little mad with you they'll try to kill you they're not going this is not about I'm going to throw a punch like Red and Rest, like Wrestler and and his brother this is I'm going to try to kill you you know I may have a bow with me I may you know oh, you or you remember. I have a gun a knife 
yeah, that's a kind of little issues with the Rostov family. And I have a feeling that this is one extended family and they're all insane. So I have a feeling that Red, it's kind of um, a little scared of of telling the truth. And by now he's got too, too deep. He can't get out of yeah. it. Oh, I, I agree with that. Like at this point, I don't. I feel like he'll ha- something will have to give eventually just because this isn't the the show won't go on indefinitely and there will need to be a nice little tie up mm-hmm. but he is in really deep and he is going to have to be forced it's and, and everything's going to have to yeah, how, may end how up with to another balance Katerina with the welfare of Katerina with the welfare of Liz because Liz is a Bull in a china shop. Imagine now, now that you know everything that imagine Liz in that. Remember her her um, doll makeup and the high heels and she. I mean, she looked like I, I don't know what. Um, like a doll, you know, to go with the other doll. That were like little dolls and and she had the little perfect husband teacher with a little um yuppie look and all that it was all perfect and red have said uh excuse me uh can i have a moment of your time my name is raymond reddington um i just took the name of your father or i am your father depending on what you want to believe um and your mother uh, was tried to be your grandfather tried to kill your mother and um, it was an affair and then she tried to kill herself and then um, your you know she's looking for your grandma from father and your grandfather tried to blow her up again um, can you imagine what would have happened can you imagine Liz in that little doll makeup that she had on and sitting there and hearing all this, what would have happened? Oh, I agree with you. Like, that is the most absurd thing ever to expect. That it's, I mean, it goes back to paralleling it with Tom. And, like, well, when was a good time to go, hey, honey, so I love you, but... But... <laughs> I was hired by Raymond Reddington to keep an eye on you, fell in love with you, and then when he fired me, kind of got hired on by his arch rival so that I could just make sure to keep you safe. Yeah. Love you, babe. I mean, yeah, like, that's obviously the best safe. way to get shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> best way to get yourself shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, there, there is there is also this thing of, of you expect to tell the truth. So what would have been that good moment? Uh, honey, um, you know that, that husband of yours that I keep telling you to be careful? Um, the reason I tell you that is because I kind of hire him uh, to keep an eye on you. And then I got really mad when he fell in love with you. So I fire him and I flew over. And I think I might have inadvertently led my arch enemy to you. And when I fire him, I guess a guy would go like, oh, you know what just happened? I mean, it would have been like, ghetto. <laughs> yeah, it would have been like, can you imagine that story? What would have been a good point to to tell you? Um, listen, honey, that woman back that moved you next door. Yeah, it may have been your real your bio mom, but she actually just threw you away. And then I kind of like took you from Russia, and I brought you over to this other spy who decided to take you to put you as Masha Rostov, although you had nothing to do with that poor guy who she 
totally told him that you were his kid. And then when he was sick and this desperate to get out, he was like trying to get me and trying to kill me. And uh, well, I tried to kill him. Um, I mean, where do we start? There is this in this mess. Oh, I didn't say it would be simple. And I didn't say I could even tell you when the right time would have been because I'm not sure there is a right time. Yeah. I agree. I'm just saying that what we've seen play out over the years with Tom and Liz, which I think is a great, great way to see how Liz handles lies, betrayal and coming about on the other side and managing out on the other side into something that becomes a healthier relationship, which I would love to see her have a healthy relationship with Fred. The show will not be on air when that happens. Yes. Because complicated relationships abound. Um once Tom and Liz got to a healthy point, they either need to kill or fake kill the man off to <laughs> to make things function. But, you know, healthy relationships and TV don't exactly mesh. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, but, that's a point. But regardless, I'm, saying, I'm saying in the abstract, from, from a character point of view, from if you look at it from Liz... Like, if he had found a way to do it. That time he where been, he called her and she oh, didn't pick up. I, I think it's an excellent point. And he very well may have. And that may have been her loss on it. It may have been her loss right there when Tom's blowing her phone up. And she's going, I know I'm supposed to be there. Oops. Job. Bye. You know, click. That may have been her point where she could have found out everything that he... Could have told. There are the major ifs here, and we'll see down the way if there is a place in there in which Red has his own boat moment. Mm-hmm. I would have thought it was when he was sent to prison, but obviously that wasn't it because they haven't gotten any better after that. But there, I mean, there has to be a moment. Her. He betrayed. The thing is that for a lot of people. That arc didn't make a lot of sense. I still need to go back through it. Because I was... That's one of those... That and a lot of Garvey. Like, I've got a lot of questions there. Yeah, you're going to have to to look at that and tell me whether you don't think, when you rewatch, that Jennifer just made up that report. And she fell for it one more time. For a fake DNA test. But there is... I don't know what Tom saw. No, nobody knows. I mean, yeah, it was a DNA test, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's. There's so many things that that could have been. Well, the 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 um, and I'll I'll be you know if if you want, we can do a special on the bones because I think the bones, the whole arc of that bones, we need to go back in there. But there is the what I was gonna say. There is um, there is. What was I talking about? Uh, we've been on a very long tangent that we probably should wrap relatively yeah. soon about about timing and honesty. And um, we were talking about Reddington. Oh, and if, yes. Uh, oh, 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 the 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 uh, prison. The prison didn't make a lot of sense. That uh, for a lot of people, it didn't make a lot of sense because it fell to people that. Well, Red knows that she's not Reddington. That's not true. Red didn't understand. Red thought. The, the, the problem is when you look at it and thinking Red is not Raymond Reddington. 
because you were someone else and you realize you can be both. He can have been a, someone else as a kid, became Raymond Reddington, and then um, it's it makes no sense for a lot of, of people because they think that Red thinks because he she discovered he had some he was someone else once he is not her father. What he dis what it's that moment the moment where he can begin to forgive her is when she goes to him after Rasford and tell him, I know you're not my father. Because up to that moment, what Red felt was, you sent your father to death penalty. And how could you do this? I mean, it was, it was, it was a betrayal of, you wanted to investigate and you thought that that was more worth it than my life. And it, it is at that moment when she tells him, I know you're not my father, that he goes like, oh, okay, I guess you didn't betray your father. You just betrayed somebody that you think became your father then. That's when he started. And that's why when she realizes that, wait a minute, my father was not a, was a good man and my mother was the one who framed him, starts turning against Katerina. Now that he's has blonde Katerina, now he's turning against so she's going between mom and dad and in this like crazy stuff. So that's a wrap up for me of this. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, I I think all in all, it was an excellent episode. Um, honestly, my sticking points in the grand scheme of the whole show, not a big deal. I think that the key points that we're supposed to take away from this episode are fascinating. And I think they help really illuminate a lot of wrestlers' more interesting personality traits with the rubber banding and his obsession over being this... this By the book. Yeah, a certain kind of, uh, of agent. And I think it helps shed a lot of light on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was all in all. I, I tell you, I was at the edge of my seat. I I enjoyed it very very much, and I think they did a fantastic uh, job in the casting. And yeah, oh, casting. Uh, like I said, the one thing that I kind of was a little iffy on was the kid that played him, but then I started going, wait, who does he look? Oh, he looks like the kid from season two that was playing a young Jacob Phelps. Hmm, I wonder if that was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never really, up until this point, drew a whole lot of parallels between Bress and Tom. I really liked the idea of them eventually becoming friends, mostly because I thought that Tom needed someone that wasn't going to shoot him, you know, as a buddy to get a beer with. But I think that that would have been absolutely fascinating, and who knows, maybe uh, fascinating the to have seen wrestler and tom pass some of those stories those child you know for wrestler to some someday be comfortable enough with that you know i don't think he will ever be i don't think so either but just kind of one of those abstract wouldn't that be fun sort of things Mm -hmm. i mean for all we know i mean i i'm leaning into the tom's alive theory but until he pops back up he's dead on the show so I mean, that's <laughs> it's neither here nor there, but I, I still think it's one of those fun trails to follow down of what kind of things 
or there. I had the same oh, thought I, when I saw the kid. Is like, hmm. He just did. They had the hat, and he had the. At first, he's like, "Wait a minute, what is that young Jacob doing?" He's like, "Oh, wait a minute, that's young. That's young Donald." Jacob just, Jacob just crashed the wrestler household. <laughs> that would have been all right. And by the way, guys, uh, we've got two more episodes left for the season. We have one they finished filming, and the other they apparently cobbled together to be our season finale. I'm super interested to see what they did with that one. Um, But after that, we will be doing an episode that is... You've heard us chatter about various theories about Tom potentially being alive. We will have an episode here after after the end of the season. Um... To to take a look at those theories, uh, we're going to be posting um, here in the next week or two, posting a list of the things we need to know. We'd love to hear if you lean into that theory, what the details are. And so just kind of be thinking about that and articulating that. And we'll post that here in the next couple weeks uh, on our different platforms and and uh, get your feedback because we'd love to talk about it on that episode. Yeah. And so excited to see you guys next week. Yep. Uh, Catch us on YouTube, on SoundCloud and iTunes, and chat with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. Until next week. Oh, yes, and Tess is in Reddit. All right. Until next week, guys. All right. Bye. Bye.